What's going on, Lifesavers? Welcome back to another episode of the Exploring with Micah podcast. I finally decided on a goddamn name. (laughs) I am such an indecisive, impatient person, and that's okay. I'm working through that. But today's podcast, as you guys have been clicked on with the title, is the story of cutting off my toxic father, what that has done for me spiritually, what I've done to heal from that, and most importantly, set boundaries with him so I can still be in my siblings' lives without him affecting me so much. Oh goodness, you guys, I've been wanting to make this episode for a while, and a lot of you guys have been asking for it, so I thought I'd start and just make one. There's going to be about three parts, three to four parts to this, and I want to break them down for you so you know what's coming. In the first part, I'm going to be talking about my story, my past with my dad, the things I do want to share and I don't, you know. Uh, The second is my healing journey, the moment I got away from him. And the next thing, the next thing, of course, was setting the boundaries that was necessary so I could heal from him. And most importantly, we always, always end with affirmation so that is definitely what we will end this podcast on and i'm really really excited to get into today's topic so let's just get into it you guys let's just get into it i cut off my toxic father and to put it simply if we're going to use labels on who my father is he simply was a narcissistic abusive manipulator and the problem with me is that if i'm going to describe what i am through labels i'm an empath So that is like the biggest, biggest weakness to someone like my father. And, you know, when when I was younger, me and my father were really, really close, you know, and but it it was like trauma bonding. You know, I never really realized why I liked to be around him so much, why I I enjoyed being in his presence. But at the same time, there was a level of comfort I felt in feeling like I had no control. And that's such a weird thing, but that's that's kind of how I felt at the time. He used he used emotional manipulation to get whatever he wanted from me, to get me to continue to play sports for a long time. There was a lot of repressed emotions that I realized I gained from my father over the years of him abusing me. And, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of just learn to push all of that down. And there was something that I saw in a video recently that I thought was an amazing point. If you're a parent and you connect your entire life to your child, like your entire identity is made up of your child's life, you're going to cause trauma for your child. And here, let me let me say something. This is speaking from the child's point of view of a parent who made me their entire life. Essentially, what you're doing is you're placing your entire identity upon the child. This prevents the child from growing into who they need to be, for doing things for themselves, to learning how to speak up and have their emotions be seen. The problem is is that now they learn people-pleasing. Now they learn to repress their emotions and who they are. And that is one of the biggest problems that you can possibly give a young kid because the moment a child learns that his, his emotions do not matter is the moment that he will be set up to have narcissistic and abusive relationships until he heals from that. When a, when a parent forces all of their identity on the child, the child now feels that they need to be able to please you. Because what you're doing, whether or not you are aware of it, is you is you want the best for your kid. You want this, you want that, I understand. But what you're doing instead of that is 
you're basically trying to live out your happiness, your joy, and your entire emotional identity, and in fact, just dreams, goals, and everything through your child. I played basketball. At first, I really, really liked basketball. I was really good at it. I had a lot of scholarships, but eventually, it became all about my father because he didn't get to go far as he wanted to with it. I ended up having to play, be the responsibility to make that happen for him. And I literally felt as the child that my entire life's purpose was to please my father and make him happy. And one of the worst things he ever told me, and he'd always tell it to me, I didn't realize it was anything bad until now, was simply, you're the only thing that makes me smile. When you play basketball, that's the only thing in this world that makes me smile. When you're a child, you know how fucking crazy that is to say to a kid? Like... What you're doing is you're literally placing all of the emotional bandage upon me to continue playing a sport just so that you stay happy. And as a child, I didn't know any better. I just want to see my father happy because he, you know, if this, if my mom can't seem to make him happy, right? And the women that he's sleeping with can't seem to make him happy, then maybe I can make him happy, right? And I know that is such a twisted way of looking at the world, but that is what I grew up with in my childhood, I mean, like, I'm going to be so honest with you. Like, and this is not to, to rip on my father or anything, but this is the truth. When someone feels very unfulfilled in their lives, they're going to be seeking fulfillment in other things. There was two places my father was seeking fulfillment, which is, in his eyes, a form of control, manipulation, and power. For me, he seeks fulfillment in his dream of becoming a basketball player and having emotional control over me. That was his main way of showing quote-unquote love to me which was absolutely not love at all it was just conditional love that made me feel like a piece of shit all the fucking time if i wasn't doing something for him next thing was simply my father was never okay with the with my mom and my mom is a beautiful woman i love her to death but my dad was doing her wrong my father was doing her wrong and he was doing her so wrong it would actually invigorate anger within me but i always repressed that and in fact i repressed it so much i was willing to keep his secrets of all the women that i've ever met after my basketball tournaments when i was supposed to be going home i know this is this is real deep and it's a lot trust me there's so much more but this is something that i really want to be upfront and honest with you guys about because a healing journey is meant to be honest because I needed to be honest with myself about my feelings in these moments, and I want you guys to be able to be honest with yourselves as well, to encourage you guys to be honest with your pain, not with your parents, because your parents, you can't expect them to understand what they've done to you, especially if all that they've ever done is this behavior, okay? This needs to be a, a relationship and honesty between you and your inner child. When I was talking about in my last podcast about parenting reparenting you essentially need to play the role of the parent for the child who was hurt during those times for me it was learning about people pleasing uh, repressing my emotions giving myself depression it was learning that my uh, my emotions literally did not matter it was learning that the only value i had in this world was helping other people it was learning you know that to keep secrets and that it was okay to cheat on women you know like it all of these things were things that i just held within myself and I repressed them for so long, I'm sure when they come up, it's going to be one hell of a ride for me. But in, in all honesty, you know, 
when you repress your emotions of who you are, that is the number one thing that will make you depressed. The number one thing that will make any child depressed is to learn that their emotions do not matter. And the way that you can make your child feel like their emotions do not matter is to essentially never make them feel seen for their emotions, never let them express their emotions, and put all of your emotional, all of your emotional stress upon your child for them to make you happy. Those are three very easy ways to make your child surely depressed. Surely. Now... All of this, you know, if we're going to put more labels on it, right, in therapy, I learned that a lot of the stuff that my father was doing to me was is under the boundaries of mental and emotional abuse. Those are the two I experienced the most. Physical abuse was early on, but that went away, thank God, because I don't, I don't think I would have been able to control who I was. But this is, this is just to end this story, because I don't want to go too long into all of this. I let myself ramble because I, I just really felt the need to just express how I was feeling in the moment and I don't really like structure <laughs> so for me just just to describe to you when you repress your emotions for so long and you hold all of this anger towards your your parents or towards your father or your mother you will think of doing very violent things to them because you have all of that emotion built up within you I will be 100% honest with you there was a fight that me and my father had that kicked me out of the house. And this is the last thing I say about the story. It's, there was a fight that me and my father had that kicked me out of the house. And within this fight, I was feeling so much repressed emotion that was rising within me. He was about two to three drinks in alcohol, full drinks. And he was pretty close, you know, to like my privacy. He was like... Just as like as you can see in this video how close I am to this mic, that's how close he was to my face. And there was a, a level of anger that rose within me that genuinely thought about harming my father. Like, and it felt like the most viable thing to do. I remember when I went upstairs into my room to pack my shit, I all I thought about because I ended up staying the night because I couldn't get picked up and my car was out of gas. I remember I remember just having nightmare after nightmare of literally stabbing my father. And I know that sounds crazy. But that's when you get pressed and pushed for so long, you will think about doing very violent things to the people that are your parents or that caused this trauma to you. That is why the healing journey is so necessary. If you don't heal from what hurt you so bad, you will bring that pain to everyone else in your life that loves you. Because hurt people ask for love in the most unloving ways. And the way that they ask for love is by hurting the people that they love the most. And that is what your parents have done to you. And I do not want you to hold this and to bring this to your friends, bring this to your neck, to your own family, and to have horrible relationships in your life, all because we refuse to heal from the things that damaged us so much as a child. I digress. The next section of this I really want to talk about is the healing that I've done only about a year and a half, two to three years in now. I say that because I, I don't, it depends on when you want to start it, right? Off of te technical terms. But 
my healing journey, in all honesty, I had an incredibly addictive relationship to depression. I had an incredibly addictive relationship to depression and faking who I was. That was one of the biggest addictions I've had. That's why I had depression, I'd probably say, for at least over a decade. I had depression for over a decade because I was addicted to repressing who I was. Because everything in my life always taught me that who I am doesn't fucking matter. And because that's what I learned, I decided to encapsulate that as my entire identity. So I would have friendships that would only play the role for me of me being able to fix their problems. I would be in relationships with really, really shitty people who needed a lot of love and hurt people just like myself. But I chose them subconsciously because it helped me run away from my own problems and it helped me fix their problems to make me feel good within myself but at the end of the day no matter the amount of people i've ever tried to help or fix never fix the fucking traumas or healed the shit that was going on with me in the first place in fact those are mainly the trauma behaviors that happened from the childhood trauma that i never healed from that is exactly what I've learned so far in my addiction to healing other people. Now, one of the biggest things that I'd say has been on my healing journey is learning to remove these beliefs. You know, when you're taught as a child that you don't fucking matter, when you're taught as a child that, you know, like your entire responsibility is to make other people happy, when you're taught as a child that you can't say no when you're taught as a child that you know so many other traumas and so many other things i don't want to list the whole fucking list to make us all feel like we're called out but when you actually take a step back and this is where spirituality is so so key on this journey for me in fact today i chose to make the podcast today because i just feel wonderful today i feel wonderful I feel so separate from these traumas that I'm explaining to you guys and expressing, but yet at the same time, I feel so deep rooted in the connection to them. And I have nothing but compassion and love for this entire conversation and for you for taking the time to listen to this in the first place. I'm, I'm deeply, deeply grateful for the, for the ability to be the messenger and to be a support system for you on your healing journey. That is all I wanted to say about that. But you got to be able to take a step out of your traumas and triggers. Most of us, we live within the boundaries of our subconscious behavior. When I say that, I mean your inner child runs the show. And I'm going to be honest with you. You're 30 years old. You're 18 years old. You're 20 years old. You're no longer 8 years old. The inner child within you should not have a say in what the fuck happens to you. Now, you are a grown adult. You cannot be making decisions off of pain that you've had for 20 years. You have to heal from that so that you can make a decision that will bring you prosperity and love in your life instead of bringing you more pain and trauma. You need to be making decisions in your life that heal the inner you and not keep you living within your trauma. I remember I saw something uh, from the holistic psychologist. She really breaks it down for me that, that helped me understand this point. She was telling me that, are you really in love or are you really in trauma? And, you know, I, I was thinking about, like, my first relationship I've ever been in. Like, the one I, I thought I was in love. I realized that I was in trauma. I wasn't in love. I was in trauma. 
I was simply living out whatever I believed to be true at that moment to be love. Love is a learned thing, and your parents teach you what love is. So if someone who is very conditional with you is a a narcissist is going to be very conditional with you. They're going to treat you like property. They're not going to treat you with the respect and love that you deserve. Now, at the end of the day, if that's all that you know, then you think that is love. And the problem is, is that now in the relationships that you were in, if someone who comes up to you who is consistent in showing you support and love, you will not be capable of receiving them in because that is not what you learned love is. But if you realize that and you heal that, or at least you were able to watch that pattern come up, you can decide to be in that relationship because you know damn well it's best for your well-being, not best for your trauma. You do not need to be doing things for your trauma. Your trauma is not something that, it's not a bill that you pay. Trauma is not a bill that you should be paying. In fact, trauma is only to show you where you need to be putting your money. That's the only job that trauma is. You don't pay trauma. It's not a bill. In fact, you learn what it is that you need to pay for in your life, which is you're paying your inner child. And when I say pay, I mean investing in the time to heal. This is what I what that means. And when I say investing in, in paying and paying a bill of trauma, I mean investing your time into your traumas. Don't invest time into your traumas. Invest time into healing your traumas. Your traumas are always trying to get you to pay them. They're always triggering in your life. They're always trying to make decisions for you out of protection. But in all honesty, protection is not what you need. Healing is what you need. Because protection only keeps you in fear. Protection only prevents you from receiving what you deserve in this world. Healing opens you up to receive what you deserve in this world, which is a bucket of fucking love. At the end of the day, your behaviors and your beliefs are based on the traumas that you've had in your life. That is one of the number one things that I've learned. You know, not being good enough for my father in his eyes taught me conditional love. And therefore, in all the relationships I seeked in my life were all based on the ideal system of conditional love. My first ever girlfriend I thought I was in love with, she taught me the most. And I'm very thankful for her. Because she's the reason I left my father. Not because she encouraged me, but because she left me, which gave me the power to leave my father. They were the same. Conditional love. Caring what others think over myself was a belief that I learned that Essentially, you know, I feel like most of us growing up with childhood trauma, you don't learn how to think for yourself. You don't learn, you know, how to be who you are and be strong in who you are. You know, a lot of our beliefs and who we think we are is made up of the validation we receive from other people. It's made up of the love that we've received in our lives. And it's made up of the traumas that we've received. Those are the three things that make up who you believe you are. Now, feeling the need to help others all the time was essentially the number one th- the number one behavior that I always did. Always. I remember every single relationship in my life. All my friends really felt like they knew me, you know, like I just feel like I've always known you, you know? That's the empath, FYI. Like if you're an empath, you know, you've probably had someone say to you, you know, I feel like I just know you. I feel like, you know, no, no, all this, all that. Yeah, I low-key don't like when people say that, but feeling the need to help other people, 
I'd say was an empath belief of mine. But at the same time, it was the only thing that was giving me self-worth, you know. Like, I remember every friendship and every relationship in my life. It was very easy for me, you know. It really felt easy for me to be friends. Oh, shit. Hang on. Sorry, my light almost broke. If it's, it becomes really, really easy to be friends with people, you know, especially when you're an empath, you know, because you can kind of mimic other people's emotions. And that's like a, the worst form of people pleasing because you no longer are being who you are. You are essentially being a version of yourself that you, ex- that, you know, they will accept and love. And that's because you learned as a child that you essentially, if you show up the way that your parents want you to, you'll get their, you'll get their love and attention, right? If you do certain things for other people, you'll get their love and attention. That's what you do in your friendships and relationships. For me, I was my father's therapist. Slash, you know, he was controlling me all my life, but I was his therapist. He'd always bitch to me about these girls that he was sleeping with, you know, and, and all that. And at the end of the day, you know, it's funny because I said I'd keep these secrets, but, you know, I, I feel no need to now. I've removed the guilt of, of speaking about these now. Um, sorry, I just, I just wanted to say that I just noticed that healing for myself and I just wanted to express that out loud, but a a very big thing of mine was, you know, always wanting to help other people and fix them was because that as as a child, the only time my father would ever really give me attention was when I was trying to help him with something, whether that was playing basketball, which was helping him quote unquote, be happy or facilitate control over me Two was to help him you know, uh, with these girls who were, he was sleeping with while being with my mom, you know, like all this shit. And I just kind of learned that my self-worth is wrapped up in how well I, how capable I am of helping other people. You know, it's funny because even what I'm doing now is a form of that, but I feel like for the first time, I'm actually in a space where I'm helping somebody for, for the purpose of helping myself rather than for the purpose of receiving validation from other people. That is what I call growth. And that is part of my healing journey. Another thing that I've, I've really started to learn is I, when I, I had to quit almost anything in my life that was merely a, tra- a trauma behavior. Meaning, I quit basketball because it just brought too much trauma on me. Like, the sport was no longer about me playing basketball because I loved playing basketball. It just had to do with facilitating happiness for my father. And that is what the entire sport came about so I had to get rid of that because that was simply a trauma behavior that I must unlearn and I must heal from so I that means I I shut down many many college scholarships in fact I even shut down college scholarships for my academics alone too because all of these things just just felt like forms of control and you know for the first time in my life when I decided not to go to college it felt like the first time I was making a decision for myself And that was the first empowering moment I had to take steps in the direction I am right now, making this podcast and working on, you know, the businesses that I have currently. I was only able to do this because I decided to walk away from the trauma behaviors that were controlling me my entire life and to actually empower myself to do something that was right for me, that had nothing to do with the validation of other people, that had nothing to do with building anyone else's self-worth but my own. Another thing, and this is the last thing of this section, I know it's a long one, but I, I there's a lot to learn, you guys, there's a lot, is acceptance and forgiveness, you know, accepting, accepting both your parents for, for who they are is a very, 
healing process, you know, because when you accept something for what it is, you no longer expect it to be anything different. You know, there was a there was a video that I saw that said you were not healing from the pain that your parents caused you. Maybe not. You're not healing from the trauma your parents caused you. You're healing from the fact you're healing from the pain of not receiving the childhood that you deserved. And that hit me like a fucking train. That hit me like a train because I realized that my entire childhood was stripped from me. I didn't know what it was like to have sleepovers. I didn't know what it was like to have any of those things until I turned 14. I spent the first 14 years of my life being an absolute slave to my father and to making him happy. And that was the worst decision of my entire life. But I didn't make decisions for myself at that age. So that is why I must accept and forgive myself for the mistakes that I was unknowingly making at the time. You know, I'm not ready to forgive my father for what he's done. You know, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready for forgiveness. But I am ready for acceptance. And I can accept the fact that he is who he is. And all of what he was doing was simply the ways that he learned to give love. And at the end of the day, I have to be okay with that. And that doesn't mean I'm going to accept him into my life. You know, I feel like a lot of you guys have been watching in the comments. You guys think I'm making excuses for our parents for what they've done. No, not at all. I'm not making excuses for our parents. But I'm trying to get you to understand that there is a two sides to this story. Parents don't make the comment the direct decision to fuck you up and to give you trauma. That is simply because they didn't heal from their traumas and their pain is simply being brought upon you. That's it. I say that because that helps me accept my father for what he's done. Doesn't mean I'm ready to forgive him, but it allows for me to accept him so I can heal. It gives me permission to heal. Because if I just keep blaming this nigga for everything that he's done to me, then I essentially, he has all of the power that is preventing, he has all the power. He has all of it. If I can take a step back from that, give perspective and see where his generational traumas are coming from, where his pain is coming from, it helps me heal. It helps me grow. And it helps me become the person that I deserve to be. You know, when they say in your traumas, you know, they say, I saw a beautiful quote in the comment section of a post and I just want to share it. I can't find the post, but this is, I, I'm going to try and summarize what he said. When you're healing your traumas, you're not actually losing who you are. You're regaining your true identity after healing from those traumas. You'll become the beautiful being that you were this entire time before the pain and trauma has darkened your soul. And I was like, whoa, bro, whoa. That quote hit deep, deep. And, you know, for me, it was, it, it's, a, it's a big thing to accept. You know, everyone's like, how do you, how do you forgive? You can't forgive if you don't accept, right? Like, what is there to forgive if you can't accept what they've done? If you can't accept your parents for who they are and all the shit that they've ever done to you and accept the fact that you didn't get the childhood that you deserved as a kid, accept the, 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 the pain that you brought through, accept that they're not going to say sorry, then you cannot put yourself in a position to heal from any of it. 
That's why I always tell people the first step is acceptance and I can't teach you to forgive because I'm not ready to forgive my father either. That is the truth. I digress. Next section. Next section is all about setting boundaries. Now that you know the healing journey and some of the stuff I've been through, I want to explain to you the belief system I have towards the boundaries I've created in my life. Now, boundaries do not get set in one day, but these help you kind of understand the position that you can take while, like, let's say you don't want to cut off your toxic family. That's okay, but then that means you need to have extra strong boundaries in your life that will prevent you from being triggered all the fucking time with them. Because triggering, like, that's why I always tell people you can't heal an environment you got sick in because every single time you're in that environment, you were just being triggered over and over and over. And when you keep being triggered, you're not able to take a step back and heal and process the triggers. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. Like, that's like I tried to heal in my father's house for like two years before I could get out. Before I could get out. And I couldn't. I couldn't. No matter what I did. There's that deep-rooted pain was still there. And I had to get away from the environment that was allowing for those behaviors to be accepted and to be consistently reactivated, right? So when you're setting boundaries, when I set boundaries with my father, I cut him off for a year. I needed time. I was not in any position, especially after I told you earlier about the violence I was dreaming about committing upon to him. I was like, yeah, no, nigga. I bought myself a new phone. Thanks, with the help of my mom, I bought myself a new phone. I got myself a phone bill. You know, I, I started. To, I threw away all his clothes. I bought my own clothes. Like at the end of the day, it was like I needed all tangible, all tanglements with my father to be completely released. Because my, one of the biggest things my father always held upon over my head was his leverage. So he would always offer to do something for you, but all that that never meant he was doing it out of the kindness of his heart. Never. Not if he was buying you a meal, buying you socks and underwear, nothing. Everything that he was doing was a form of leverage. And if you weren't doing something for him in that process, then you were considered a spoiled fucking brat. So, you know, there's there's that whole trauma too, but when you're setting boundaries with somebody, you need to before you're even capable if you you need to cut off your family before you can set some fucking boundaries i think i had to cut off my father and be away from him for a year and build a life for myself at least a foundation that would allow for me to heal have an environment that i could grow and prosper in that is no longer connected to him i had to give myself space to heal and reflect before I was allowing him to actually get my new number. Like my dad, like uh, um, he's still learning his boundaries. Like he's still learning his own shit, right? He's still learning what the fuck I'm in. I'm, I'm setting boundaries with him without he, him even knowing what the boundaries are. And I'm not gonna explain them to him. He'll call me. I'm not gonna answer the call. If you text me a shit ton, I have no, you, I don't have to answer. Like at the end of the day. Toxic people, they're trying to get a rise out of you. They're trying to get your attention. But you can choose whether or not you're going to give them your attention. Right? Like, I remember my father, he was just drunk one night and decided what he used to do. In fact, this is part of the story. One of the things my father used to do is he used to get really drunk and call me and essentially 
start this whole I call it a toxic pattern of manipulation and just telling me how shitty of a person I am and you know the worst part of it was is the time I didn't have the boundaries in place to hang up the fucking phone because of two reasons he paid my phone bill and I still lived with him that was the biggest problems I had in my life and the moment I got rid of him paying my phone bill gave me the power to no longer answer this nigga's text and calls and no longer living with him means that he no longer has any more emotional control over me because I have now the power to cut the tie I left the house so I can cut the string you know you know like setting boundaries to this is the way that this is the way that I'll I'll, I'll, I'll say this this is how you set boundaries if we're gonna keep it simple this is how you set them you have to decide what you're willing to tolerate and what you're not willing to tolerate think about the things in your life that were triggers of yours from your family and build boundaries around those things so that if they they hit a certain point you have to make a decision from there okay they're hitting my boundary they're triggering me to prevent me from reacting back to them right just like they want me to i'm gonna walk away right for me if my father's texting me a shit ton i will not answer any of his text if he decides to call me a lot i will block his number if he decides to say some outlandish shit to me i will take a deep breath and walk away i just i define the the triggers when my father texts me a lot it brings an incredible amount of anxiety within me when my father calls me a lot that brings anxiety within me and when he decides to say outlandish shit to me that triggers me you notice i built boundaries around each and every single one of those things there's many others but those are examples each examples of boundaries i've set on those triggers and the action i will take if they cross the boundary you have to you have to like this is like and this is like real serious shit like this is something that this matters this is the reason that you will keep your peace or not keep your peace you have to set boundaries if you want to have any form of relationship with your toxic parents and if you want to be able to keep your peace in that process it's absolutely mandatory because if you don't you will go right back to being reactive and being in these trauma cycles with them over and over and over hating them and all these other things you have to have the boundaries so that you still are in the process of healing and that you are no longer connected to that survival behavior okay other boundaries i've set for myself and these are no longer toxic family specific in the healing journey you need to have boundaries because you you'll notice that the actions that you take in your life <clears throat> the actions that you take in your life like i used to binge eat and that was because i was eating my feelings so i put boundaries around myself that i do not binge eat more than a certain portion of food right that is the boundary that i place and when i overcross that boundary that's usually when I start to feel like shit and I start to feel bad and I and I and you know it's all this self-hatred now on myself. Another one is no porn. I have cut watching porn out for about three months now. I have a genetic sexual addiction. So I like porn for me is like the worst thing. And it's the worst thing for anyone, I'm sorry, it is. Like if you're a guy and you have a porn addiction, you need to set boundaries around that. 
because all that's doing is actually making you feel worse it's like you're trying to solve a long-term problem right which is having an intimate connection with somebody with a short-term solution which is just to masturbate you need to let that go it's not fucking helping you bro it's not i promise like I remember when I got rid of it, I remember the amount of control that I was now able to have over my body and how I feel every day was immense. And I no longer looked at women in such an objective way. I don't look at a girl and think about having sex with her. I don't. Like, it doesn't even cross my mind now. But when you're watching porn, all you're thinking about is all you're looking at these girls is you're objectifying them every fucking day that you watch porn and because you think oh they're just i'm just gonna have sex with them no like take take a step back bro sex is not what you want an intimate connection is what you want but you've connected sex to an intimate connection and those just aren't the same thing they are so far apart from each other all right like i'm sorry that's like a big one for me man because i was a slave to it I was a slave to sexual desires. I was a slave to them. And I almost ended up putting myself in positions to have a kid over it. I'm telling you, man, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Right? Another, the last boundary I had, I used to be a very big weed person. Edibles specifically. But I've recently stopped taking edibles so much. I've taken a step back from taking edibles because... Weed, for me, no longer gives me the high that I that I can't reach sober. Like, for example, right now, I am at a pretty much the same level as I would be on weed. So weed, for me, no longer fills a role in my life. So I, I take it in very rare scarcity because of that. And I hate the lack of control that I have when i'm high like that's when i start to binge eat and porn addiction becomes stronger right and even though i've gotten rid of those things they come back when i take weed so i only do it in scarcity if i'm hanging out with friends or you know something like that oh gosh i'm sorry you guys for making this podcast so long but we are finally to the affirmation section of this podcast and i just like to say thank you for even taking the time to go through this with me you know to to sit here and and to listen to my scattered brain try and help you on your healing journey so without further ado let's get into these affirmations the three affirmations we're going to be ending this beautiful podcast with is simply i use affirmations to help empower us in these podcasts to keep going on our journey And I like to make them specific to whatever I think we need and what I need to hear as well. So let's get into the first one. The past has no power over my present. Say these affirmations with me. Say it again. The past has no power over my present. I can choose who I want to be in each new moment beautiful next one i can respect the feelings of others and still honor my own repeat this affirmation with me i can respect the feelings of others and still honor my own 
This reflects the boundaries, and this reflects you no longer needing to be a people pleaser. Say this last affirmation with me. I don't need the opinions of others to understand who I am. I don't need the opinions of others to understand who I am. Let's say them all together now. Say these affirmations with me. You beautiful, beautiful soul. Let's get started. The past has no power over my present. I can choose who I am in each new moment. I can respect the feelings of others and still honor my own. I don't need the opinions of others to understand who I am. Wow, Lifesavers, we've been a long way. Thank you for sitting here with me on this beautiful journey. I'm happy to be a service to you, happy to be your messenger, your support on this healing journey because we all deserve to regain our true identities outside of our traumas. I am your host, Micah Jones, and this is the Exploring with Micah podcast where we discuss healing our traumas and to grow spiritually into the people we are meant to be. Thank you for being here with me. And if you found this podcast helpful or supportive on your journey, share this with others that you know are on their spiritual journey as well. Thank you. Namaste.